The views and nutritional advice expressed by Dr. Rocco's are not intended to be a substitute for conventional medical service. The following sound advice program was paid for by Eagle Rock Nutrition. The views and opinions expressed are not necessarily those of the staff, management, and advertisers of WMTR. It is always advisable to consult a professional before making a major medical decision. Time now for Eat Right with Laura. Here's Dr. Laura Rocco's. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Eat Right with Laura. My name is Laura Rocco's, and I am the owner of Eagle Rock Nutrition, an integrative healthcare practice providing dietary and lifestyle intervention strategy for disease prevention and health maintenance. I'd like to start the show by thanking all the runners who came out to support the Mayor's Day 5K race in Union this past Sunday. We had great weather. It was a nice course, a little on the hilly side, but that's always good. And I'd like to thank a few of my students who came out to support me, Angelo from last semester, and by, so it's only... We're only three weeks into this semester, and I have like 50 students, so I haven't really memorized everybody's name, but they all have to sign in. And so by reasoning of deduction, I am guessing that the two students that tapped me on the back at mile marker number one were Evan and Molly. So so cool to see you guys. And uh, they're so great because they stayed until the bitter end, until every last award was handed out. And they didn't even know anybody there. So what good sportsmen. Um, I also like to announce some classes that I'm going to be heading, that I've been heading up for the last couple of months uh, at the Rahway YMCA in um, Rahway, obviously. I teach a cardio aqua class. So that's sort of like jumping up and down with the one in the water, but it's really, really fun. And that's Thursday mornings at 9 o'clock. And at the Union YMCA, I teach a standing chair class, which is really good if you're trying to enhance your mobility and balance. And that's on Thursday nights at 5.30. So the one class is on Thursday morning at 9, and the other class is on Thursday nights at 5.30. So tonight's show is going to extend the topic that we started last week. So last week we talked about eating for a healthy brain, and hopefully you all learned and remembered that uh, your brain isn't really going to work right if your gut's not right, because the bacteria that live in the gut, they are the movers and shakers for everything. We are just, you know, walking We are just walking beings that support all the bacteria that live in us and on us. That's called your microbiome. We are just a vessel that supports the microbiome, and you need to feed the microbiome. When you're not feeding them the food that they eat, they will start to eat you. So tonight's show is called What's Eating You? All right, so I will remind you that the microbiome is pretty vast, right? You have 10 times more bacteria. So even though the microbiome represents all the microbes, 90% are bacteria, all right? So you have 10 times more bacteria living in you and on you than all of your human cells combined. And when you think about it, you know, they have DNA just like you do, and they have genes just like you have. Well, they have about 150 times more genes than you do, which mean that they have a lot more capability. All right, and we have barely skimmed the surface to learn and study about what they do. But there is a study that's ongoing, and it's called the Human Microbiome Project, which by the year... Actually, I don't know the year. It's not, you know, it's, it's, there is no, there is no prediction. It's going to take a really, really long time. But right now, at this very moment, we are trying to study all the kinds of bacteria that support your health. So which ones are the good ones, which ones are the bad ones, and what are they doing there? We 
barely have skimmed the surface. We um, have studied their their genes, right? So we've we've sequenced the human genome, and we've actually sequenced the microbiome gene, genome, but we actually don't know all the kinds of bacteria that live in and on our bodies. But we know that they do really important things. So one of the most important things that they do is that they regulate your immune system and they help you to digest your food. Uh, so we already have a caller, so we'll take this caller. Hello, welcome to Eat Right with Laura. Can I answer your question? Yes. Hi, Dr. Laura. Um, my name is Donna. I'm calling um, because with flu season approaching, I'm wondering how does a healthy gut influence our immune system? Oh, that's an excellent question. So if you remember from last week, the bacteria that live in your gut, they can actually detect all the viruses, bacteria coming from the outside. And like I said, they turn your immune system on. So when you have a healthy gut, when you have good bacteria, when you have the, and that, that adjective that I used last week for good bacteria is called commensal. So when you have more commensal bacteria, they will uh, turn your immune system on so that you can fight off the those uh, viruses a little bit better. So definitely uh, listen to the show and learn about how to take care of your gut so that you will uh, get through this winter uh, unscathed. No colds, no flu. So thanks for that question, Donna. Um, so all right, so I said they support your immune system. The bacteria support your immune system. The bacteria help you to digest the food that you're eating so that you can extract the nutrients that you need to run the show that is your body. So how do you make sure that you have a healthy gut? It actually starts at birth. So the bacteria that you're born with as you travel through the birth canal of your mother, that will train your immune system. The bacteria in the birth canal gets in the baby's eyes and the baby's nose and the baby's mouth all over their body. And that is going to be the first step to having a healthy immune system. We know that babies that don't travel through the birth canal that are born by cesarean section, they have a subtly different immune system. They have fewer bacteria, they have less diverse bacteria, and they also have more pathogenic bacteria as opposed to commensal bacteria. That's not to say that they're going to live like that forever because if mom is feeding the baby very well and if the baby is well cared for, you can certainly train the baby's uh, microbiome to ensure that the good bacteria live in and on the C-section babies as well. But I will tell you that I have one of each. I had one baby that was a vaginal delivery and one baby that was a C-section. And my C-section certainly had a weaker immune system during his early years. More allergies. Um, when he was about four months old, he had a, uh, a chronic bout of diarrhea that we really couldn't get a handle on. And I just noticed that right after that, that kind of started this, you know, this long journey with allergies and asthma. All right, so what are some of the other impacts on your microbiome? So in addition to the bacteria that you're born with, you know, uh, at least in the United States or even the entire Western Hemisphere, we are obsessed with cleanliness, right? So we tend to get carried away with antiseptics and Clorox. We have, you know, antibacterial soaps in every room of the house. Uh, we always go to the doctors for every little sniffle. We might get a prescription for antibiotics. So the P 
people are being given antibiotics from their diet, from their doctors. We give antibiotics to the animals in our food chain. So the animals are getting antibiotics. Those are two things that are killing off the microbiome. Our genetically modified foods that are treated with herbicides and pesticides are filling off, killing off the microbiome. And then, you know, we just love to take showers, one or two every single day. So over the course of the last century, I would say, we have really modified our immune system by altering the microbiome. All right, so what are some of the consequences of killing off the microbiome, particularly as it relates to taking antibiotics? All right, this is going to subtly affect your digestion capability. So there's certainly a correlation between antibiotics and reflux, acid reflux disease. All right. We, I see in my healthcare practice way more food allergies and food intolerances than I've seen in the past. Um, I've definitely seen Lots of signs of a weakened immune system. And the one thing that I noticed when I opened up my practice almost three years ago, and this is something that I never anticipated, was a much higher incidence of lupus, which is an autoimmune condition that impacts your ability to fight infection. And maybe um, just so that you have something to relate to, um, you know, this is going to, so lupus is a disease that's going to, um, impact your, uh, organs. And something that I've seen two times now with two of my patients is, you know, kidney failure. So certainly something that's very concerning. Other autoimmune conditions that I see a lot of in my practice is RA, rheumatoid arthritis, and psoriasis. And then also, what I'm going to focus on a lot tonight in the show is inflammatory bowel disease. So inflammatory bowel disease uh, basically encompasses two conditions, Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. So two very hard-to-treat bowel diseases. So what what else is culpable in a reduced digestive function. Um, I'm also going to bring up dairy tonight. So just remember that milk is made by cows for cows. And, you know, whether this is related to the way we're raising the cows with the hormones and the antibiotics, we find that, you know, so there are four main food allergies. The first is peanuts. The second is dairy. The third is shellfish. The fourth is soy. So dairy number two, I see way more sensitivity to dairy than anything I've ever seen before. Like peanuts, you know, when my kids were younger, I definitely thought it was very odd that there were so many children who were allergic to peanuts. But I'm not really seeing a lot of peanut sensitivity. I see some, not a lot. But I would say at least half of my patients are sensitive to milk. They cannot digest milk either because they cannot digest the lactose, but usually it's because they have a problem digesting milk proteins, and those two proteins are whey and casein. So that seems to be an issue. And, you know, as we've, you know, grown up drinking milk, by the time my, you know, by the time these people are reaching adulthood, right, they've been exposed to a protein that they cannot digest. So they have partially digested proteins roaming around in their bloodstream, wreaking all kinds of a havoc with the immune system and the ability to have a healthy digestive system. Um, I guess I, I did read the other day, um, which was new to me, but not new anymore now that I feel like I'm well versed in it. I understand that there is a new kind of milk 
that has a different kind of casein. So apparently there's two genotypes of casein, A1 and A2 type. And apparently the A2 type is easier to digest. So since milk is fortified with vitamin D, and vitamin D, at least in the Northeast, is very hard to get, um, you know, fortified milk is a you know, a good way to get your vitamin D. And if you can't digest milk, you might try uh, looking for A2 milk. All right. And that's all I'm really going to have to say about that. All right. So what are some of the other uh, digestive conditions um, that are concerning to me. So the next condition that I want to talk about that I know I've mentioned before is leaky gut. So what is leaky gut? And I promise to talk more about inflammatory bowel disease as well. But leaky gut is important to remember because this is something that I think is highly culpable in this increase in allergy. So with the standard American diet that's very rich in sugar and processed carbohydrates, you know, the good bacteria, the commensal bacteria that live in your gut, they do not eat processed carbs, nor do they eat sugar. So what kind of a microbe eats sugar? All right, yeast eat sugar. Think about alcohol. You know, yeast ferment the sugar to make the alcohol. So if you have a diet that's very high in these two components, you may be killing off the good bacteria and causing over-proliferation of the yeast. And the reason why that's bad is because yeast have a surface protein that looks like one of the gluten proteins, right? And so yeast will compete with gluten protein for digestion so that you will not be able to digest gluten. And this is one of the reasons why we have this sensitivity to yeast and there's a connection there to celiac disease. So, uh, you know, uh, over-proliferation of yeast is going to impact your ability to digest gluten and in turn to digest anything that has wheat in it. All right. And when the yeast get overgrown, they will destroy the lining of your gut. All right. So I sometimes feel that, you know, whenever you see a young person, right, presenting with, um, any sign of a digestion problem, consider overgrowth of yeast and also cons- consider the progression, the possible progression to celiac disease. All right, which is basically a sensitivity to wheat gluten. And part of this celiac can also be due to overuse of antibiotics, which contributes to the ability when you overuse antibiotics, the good bacteria are going to die off and that will enable the yeast to overgrow or overproliferate. All right, so that is leaky gut. And if anyone has any questions about leaky gut, please call in. The call-in number is 973-267-WMTR, 973-267-9687. So feel free to share your experience if you have any issues with your gut or if you have any experience with celiac disease. So now I'm actually going to talk about inflammatory bowel disease. So the two IBDs are Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. So just let me explain the difference. Crohn's disease is an inflammation that can present anywhere in the digestive tract from the mouth to the anus. All right, symptoms are severe abdominal pain, diarrhea, bloody diarrhea, fever, weight loss, causes genetic. So again, really at birth, you know, if you're, if your mother has uh, an inflammatory bowel disease, she can pass that on to you. And I do have one mom who has uh, an inflammatory bowel. She has three children, and all three children have an inter- terrible inflammatory bowel issues, as well as some other issues. All right. Other factors are environmental factors, you know, overuse of, oh, over, you know, overuse of antiseptics, you know, cleaners, 
antibacterial soaps. Also due to some malfunction in the innate immune system, so hard to predict, but a malfunction in the innate immune system that might not be autoimmune related. All right, so how is Crohn's disease treated? Oh, I do want to say that Crohn's disease is not really autoimmune. So the word autoimmune means that your body is rejecting a tissue. All right. So Crohn's disease is not uh, self-destruction of places in your digestive system. All right. It is just an inflammation that presents anywhere from mouth to the anus and typically treated using anti-inflammatory drugs, also antibiotics. So anti-inflammatory drugs like corticosteroids, prednisone, uh, methotrexate. Uh, in extreme cases, it's uh, treated with some monoclonal antibodies like Humira. You might, you know, if you watch TV a lot, you might see commercials for Humira. Um, or a hydrocortisone, uh, which is recommended for severe attacks. The problems with these treatments are that they really only treat the symptoms and really do not get to the heart of the condition. So it appears that we have another caller, so let me take that caller before I go on to ulcerative colitis. Hello, welcome to Eat Right with Laura. Uh, care to tell us your question? Yes, hi. Um, thanks for taking my call. Um, I've been, my husband has MS. He's 76 years old. He has multiple sclerosis. I was, I've been reading a lot of books that say yeast is a problem with people who have MS. In fact, it may even be the cause of it. Who knows? But the, the literature out there seems to say if you have MS, you should have a totally yeast-free diet. This candida something or other, I forget what you call it, but this candida albicans or something like that. Yes, you know, the, uh, it's interesting that you're mentioning MS. Uh, when I, I was about to, to mention it, and then I just thought that I didn't want to make my listeners feel overly concerned about multiple sclerosis because it's, mm-hmm. you know, it is an autoimmune disease. So it's an mm-hmm. autoimmune disease, and I really think that it's very highly related to how our immune systems have evolved, right? And, and, it, and you know, as the bad, as the good bacteria are dying off, that is enabling yeast to over-proliferate, um, uh, very hard to reverse MS. But two things that I prescribe in my office to treat yeast are berberine, which kills yeast directly, or um, uh, I use something called Candibactin AR, which is basically an essential oil made from oregano oil, rosemary oil, and I believe it's thyme oil as well. So totally naturopathic treatment for yeast. And I, I, I really can't say that this will be helpful, but what I can say would likely be helpful is to restore the gut of the MS patient by doing everything you possibly can to promote proliferation of good bacteria and feed that good bacteria the kinds of food that good bacteria eat, which I'm going to describe in detail before the end of the show. So, Joan, thank you so much for that excellent question. Okay. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So what is ulcerative colitis? So ulcerative colitis is an autoimmune disease where your body is attacking your colon. So whereas in Crohn's disease, removing the colon isn't really going to help because the colon is only a portion of the large intestine. And that's, you know, just a portion of your digestive tract with ulcerative colitis. Removing the colon is actually one of the, you know, treatment options that, of course, is a last resort. But again, the drugs that we use to reduce that inflammation are really nothing more than you know, masking or treating the symptoms, but not treating the disease, right? So you really need to understand that those drugs don't help ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease, right? And you certainly, if you have ulcerative colitis, you don't really want to get to the point 
that you have to have your colon resected from your body because that's not fun. Some other things that we do that also damage the digestive tract are taking, you know, anti-inflammatory meds, pain medications, which damage the lining of the gut. And we know that we do that. You know, uh, it's funny that, uh, you know, some of the NSAIDs like, like, uh, you know, Advil, I mean, uh, when I was working in the lab, we would use those drugs as a control compound to compare drugs that might not damage the lining of the gut and drugs that definitely damage the lining of the gut and NSAIDs definitely damage the lining of the gut. All right. We also do things like chronically taking antacids, you know, for people that have GERD or uh, reflux, acid reflux, you know, they are constantly taking antacids to alleviate the acid that's coming up through their esophagus. But what the antacids do is alters the balance of that good bacteria and the bad bacteria, you know, so it creates an environment in your gut, in your stomach there. It creates an environment in the stomach that um, will enable the growth of bad bacteria. So you don't want to constantly be taking antacids. Maybe you might want to take it for that initial symptom, but certainly um, I tell my patients, if you must take a proton pump inhibitor or an antacid, just don't eat anything for the next couple of hours because that next meal that you have is going to be poorly digested because by neutralizing neutralizing your stomach with an antacid, uh, that's not the kind of environment that you need to set yourself up for good digestion. So just be very careful with antacids. We also find that um, proton pump inhibitors like omeprazole, you know, a lot of my patients take omeprazole. um, uh, Some of them present with something called SIBO, S-I-B-O, which is an acronym for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So what's happening is by taking the PPIs, the omeprazole, all right, that is going to enable the overgrowth of bad bacteria and limit the growth of good bacteria. And, you know, this is not fun condition to have. Also associated with, so SIBO is also associated with overgrowth of yeast. All right, so what should we do instead? So what can we do instead of taking all these meds that really just make the, that either don't really treat the inflammatory bowel disease or just make everything worse, really uh, reduce your ability to have a healthy digestion, meaning digesting your food so that you're extracting all the nutrients and putting those nutrients to good use. (laughs) I have yeast on the brain, right? So what you want to do is you want to get to the heart of the problem. You want to restore the health of your gut. You want to address the yeast overgrowth, calm the inflammation, support the growth of the good bacteria, and heal the damage that's caused by all that inflammation. So um, I did want to talk about one other, I want to get all of my uh, inflammatory conditions out of the way. So the one condition that I didn't even address that I see more of than any other condition is irritable bowel syndrome. So there's inflammatory bowel disease, which is Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. But then there's IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. And classic symptoms of IBS are Chronic constipation, and all my students know I talk about constipation all the time. So chronic constipation and bloating. And this, this is like a condition that has just been going on and on for years and years and years. And my patients might take something for the constipation, might take psyllium husker, you know, something. Uh, they take a lot of uh, 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 a lot of stool softeners. But again, none of those things really get to the heart of the cause of the IBS. 
So I'm going to take a break now. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about my gut restoration program so that you can have a healthy gut. And we will end with a diet for a healthy gut. Paleo, gluten-free, ketogenic, eating for your blood type, and the list goes on and on. There are millions of fad diets out there, but what really works? Did you ever consider consulting an actual doctor? That's why you need Dr. L. Dr. Laura Rocos at Eagle Rock Nutrition is a food scientist with over 30 years of experience helping people improve their health. Eagle Rock Nutrition is a healthcare practice providing dietary and lifestyle guidance for disease prevention and health maintenance. She will help you use diet and exercise to improve your overall health and fight disease. Conditions that may be addressed include diabetes, heart disease, obesity, autoimmune diseases, poor gut health, and fertility. Dr. L also has a very popular sports nutrition program. Get started today. Book an appointment at EagleRock.com. That's E-G-G-L-R-O-C-K.com. Or call 908-764-9062. 908-764-9062. Let Dr. L develop a personalized health plan that's right for you. Eat right with Laura. Most services are covered by Medicare, Medicaid, and private health insurance. The Entrepreneurial Think Tank for Women, or ETT Women, is a support network to help female entrepreneurs grow their business. Founders Vanessa Coppice and Lynette Barbieri share their vision of mentoring women to achieve their personal and business goals. Members attend live or virtual meetings, as well as their annual conference, The Power of Connections, scheduled for November 3rd to the 5th at the Holiday Inn in Clark, New Jersey. This year, in partnership with Theodora Sergio, president of Nicholas Pools and a recognized industry leader, we've created an incredible agenda and lineup of speakers, including Fox 5 News meteorologist Audrey Puente, ABC Sports anchor Laura Benke, editor-in-chief of Bella Media Group, Courtney Hall, and Elizabeth McLaughlin from the Gaia Project for Women's Leadership. Our conference objective is to elevate participants' lives and businesses by empowering them with effective personal and professional development resources. You may register for the Power of Connections conference at our website, ettwomen.com. That's ettwomen.com. Hello, I'm Anthony Marchetta, Executive Director of the New Jersey Housing and Mortgage Finance Agency. Tired of paying rent or living with family? Ready to own your own home but need help with your down payment and closing costs? Take advantage of our forgivable loan programs today and make your dream of homeownership in New Jersey a reality. Discover your options at theroadhomenj.com. That's theroadhomenj.com. Here's Tiffany, who took advantage of one of our loan programs. Hi, I'm Tiffany from Burlington County. My husband and I are happy homeowners today because of the tremendous help we received with our down payment and closing costs. We were able to buy much sooner than we ever thought possible, and it made a huge difference in our lives. So get started today and check out our loan programs by visiting our website at theroadhomenj.com. That's theroadhomenj.com. This message sponsored by the New Jersey Housing and Mortgage Finance Agency, the New Jersey Broadcasters Association, and this station. Broadcasting live from the Hilltop Nissan Studios, Classic Oldies, WMTR Morristown, a Beasley Media Group station. Welcome back to Eat Right with Laura. My name is Laura Rocco's, and tonight we are talking about eating for a healthy gut. Uh, so what's eating you? So if you heard anything that we mentioned, we talked about a lot of gut diseases like Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, leaky gut, inflammatory bowel, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, constipation, bloating. Uh, if you have any concerns about these conditions, feel free to call in and ask a question. The call-in number is 973-267-WMTR. That's 973 973- Two six seven nine six eight seven. So I promised you I talk about my gut restoration program. I did mention this on one of the uh, previous shows, but I felt I kind of uh, rushed through it. So tonight I'm, we're just going to walk through this program in detail and land on what you, should you be eating if you suffer from any one of these uh, gut conditions, adverse gut conditions. So I have what's called a five R gut restoration program and the five steps are remove replace re-inoculate regenerate and retain so if anybody's taking notes i'll say that again remove replace re-inoculate 
regenerate, and retain. All right, so what does remove mean? So that basically means that you should really be removing any food that is going to cause an irritation. All right, so certainly remove the foreknown food allergens, which are peanuts, dairy, shellfish, and soy. All right, you might also want to remove gluten, uh, coffee, and just know that this is only temporary, so coffee, uh, corn, because corn is one of the most genetically modified crops, so treated with herbicides and pesticides. So definitely no corn oil, no corn chips, no corn bread, uh, nothing with corn. Uh, Try to pull back on spicy food, uh, citrus fruits like oranges. I have a lot of patients who are sensitive to oranges. Uh, eliminate alcohol. Again, this is temporary, but give up alcohol for a little while. Uh, remove carbonated soft drinks, so no soda. Also, no crystal light that I see a lot of. No iced tea powders. Uh, no processed foods. So anything that's packaged. Uh, and again, if I didn't say it already, really get rid of the sugar. Sugar feeds the yeast. When you get rid of the sugar, you will starve the yeast. All right. So, uh, and just know that, you know, giving up all of these things doesn't have to be forever. Try it for two weeks, four weeks, and then reintroduce things one at a time and just see if you have a sensitivity. All right. But certainly you're not likely to be bringing back the sugar. And if you're sensitive to gluten, you're probably not going to bring back the yeet, the wheat. And you might not bring back the dairy. But there are plenty of non-dairy options to, re- to uh, replace the dairy. And before I go on with the remove, so some of the food items that you're eliminating from your diet, you know, you may be allergic to that food. Or you may be intolerant to that food. These two things are pretty different. If it's a food allergy, it will promote a full-on immune response that could be life-threatening due to overproduction of uh, histamine and prostaglandins and cytokines that can get pretty angry and mean. Um, So an allergy can be life-threatening. A food intolerance is not life-threatening. It's not the same kind of immune response. Largely, it's due to poorly digested food, protein, or lactose from milk. uh, And classic symptoms are gas, bloating, and indigestion, but certainly not anaphylaxis. All right, and so that's why you have this food elimination, just to certainly remove any of the food allergens, remove anything that you might be intolerant to. And again, that's really just a partial list. I have patients that are intolerant to some really good things. So, for example, I have a patient who's exceeding, exceedingly intolerant to olive oil, and what a shame there. All right, so so step two is replace. All right, you need to give your body a few additives that will help you to regrow that mucosal barrier so your digestive tract is lined with a very thin mucosal layer and people that have these inflammatory conditions have damaged their mucosal barrier. So you will need things to enhance that growth and you will also need to take something to facilitate digestion. So if there's a protein in your diet that you're not fully digesting, you might need to take a protein supplement to facilitate digestion, which in turn will facilitate absorption of those nutrients. So what are some of the things that I recommend at this step? Um, I sometimes recommend something called Metagest, which contains hydrochloric acid, which is the acid that your stomach needs to help digest protein. So this seems counterintuitive because we're so accustomed to taking an antacid. So this is not something that I might recommend if you're in the throes of acid reflux, right, because you don't need to add any more acid on top of the acid that's coming up. 
all right? You might need to take an enzyme to help digest some of the proteins or the carbohydrates or the fats in your diet. And I frequently recommend digestive enzymes. Or you might need to take something called a lipotropic factor that helps you to metabolize fats. So the standard American diet is very high in fat and sometimes we overwhelm our digestive capabilities and you might need to take something to digest that fat. So those are just a couple of things that I might recommend to facilitate digestion. Some other things that I would recommend, uh, this next thing is actually a non-negotiable, taking a vitamin D3 supplement. Vitamin D3, you get that from the sun, but we don't have a lot of sun right now in the United, or we're not going, we're going to be losing our sun very shortly. And if you're not drinking milk, that's one of the few things that are fortified with D3. And if you're not eating a lot of fish, uh, fish has vitamin D3, but not everybody in the United States drinks uh, or eats fish on a regular basis. So uh, once you have uh, vitamin D3 is something that is easily measured at any physical. So if you're showing, if you, if your levels are low, You'll need to take a vitamin D3 supplement. I'll talk about the levels in a minute. Something else that actually helps with digestion is to eat cooked fruits and vegetables as opposed to raw fruits and vegetables. Uh, And because I have so many patients that have very sensitive digestive systems, I might recommend a protein powder product that is prepared in a way that it's very easy to digest and might contain some medical food ingredients that helps with digestion and healing of the gut. So some of these protein powders contain small chain, small chain fatty acids such as butyric acid. Butyric acid is known to help uh with the proliferation of the cells that line your gut. I also might recommend some antioxidants like vitamin C and vitamin E. So those are the two vitamins that... So I might recommend uh, vitamin C, which is found in, you know, oranges, as you all well know, or taking a multivitamin with vitamin C and vitamin E, or even a B-complex vitamin. Um, A lot of my patients that have these gut issues um, uh, have a problem with their red blood cells. Uh, They they present with anemia, and B vitamins such as B12 and folate are two B vitamins that are really critical for proliferation of your red blood cells. And when you're low on these two in particular, you might present with anemia. All right, and this is something that I see in my patients with inflammatory bowel diseases. All right, so I promise to tell you what uh, vitamin D3 levels you need to have on board. Right, so... I think like most doctors just think like levels that are like um, 30 nanograms, nanograms. I don't know if you can relate to that. I guess you have to be a scientist. But 30 nanogram per milliliter is a good level to have. And that's okay. That's the level at which you need to be above to prevent, you know, uh, bone uh, rickets and, and damage to your bones. All right. And we all associate vitamin D3 with being good for bone health. But it does so much more. More than that, so critical for your immune system. So really, you want to be above 50, 50 nanogram per milliliter, your blood levels. All right, so let's shoot for 50, not 30. All right, so I'm going to move on to step number three. So, so the third step of the 5R gut restoration is to re-inoculate. And this is probably the most important step. The reason why you got to this place in time with your health is because the good bacteria have died off and you either have too much yeast or too many pathogenic bacteria. All right, so you need some good bacteria. Actually, if you have a pathogenic bacteria, 
overgrowth, you will have to go to your gastroenterologist and he will have to put you on an antibiotic. So even though I've been bad, bad mouthing antibiotics, I mean, if you have an overgrowth of a bad bacteria, you need to get rid of it and you'll get rid of it with an antibiotic. But once you've done that, you need to replenish your gut with good bacteria. So the beneficial bacteria are, well, now that we have started this study of this microbiome project, we actually know a few things about the good bacteria. So we know that uh, we need lactobacilli and bifidobacteria. Those are two phyla that are good for you. So if you take a probiotic, you should look for those two. So lactobacilli and bifidobacteria. You should look for those two in a in a probiotic. All right. Um, if you come to Eagle Rock Nutrition, I don't necessarily rec- I don't I'm not a one trick pony when it comes to probiotics. I will do a full health history with you and decide which are the strains and which are the types of bacteria that will be the most beneficial for you. So if you have an inflammatory bowel disease, I will recommend one thing. If you have irritable bowel syndrome, I will recommend another thing. And the probiotic that I recommend to my IBS patients works like a charm. I must say that Every one of my patients calls me immediately and says that this probiotic has done more for me than any doctor that I've ever seen. And I hear this all the time. Um, I also will recommend a different probiotic if you have allergies. So uh, I certainly mentioned this um, at one of my previous shows, that, that leaky gut, the overgrowth of the, the yeast and the leaky gut where the cells are not intact, that is highly, highly correlated with allergies. So uh, as soon as my patients come in, if they're sneezing, red eyes, runny nose, first thing I think is leaky gut. I have a probiotic that I recommend for allergies. I have a probiotic that I recommend when I suspect a yeast overgrowth. And I also have um, a probiotic for weight control, uh, I, which I'm pretty jazzed about. So if you'd like to learn more about that one, come to the office. So go to the website, eaglerock.com. That's E-G-G-L-R-O-C-K.com. And you can book an appointment and come see me. All right. And also, uh, so even though we're midway between the 5R gut restoration program, if you have a question about any of these steps and you'd like to get the answer on air, uh, just call me at the station, 973-267-9687. All right. So why are these two particular kinds of bacteria, the bifidobacterium and the lactobacilli, why are they so good? Well, the bifidobacteria, one of the things that we know that it does, it helps you to digest gluten. All right. So this is just one example. If you don't have enough of this good bacteria, this can also correlate with your inability to digest wheat. All right. And by phytobacteria that are so helpful in digesting gluten are not supported with the standard American diet of processed carbohydrates and sugar. They do not eat processed carbs and sugar, period. All right. Also, the other thing that you need to look for when you're getting purchasing a probiotic is you need to make sure that there aren't enough bacteria. So a number that I typically look look for is rough roughly twenty to fifty billion bacteria. All right, billion. All right, so that is a lot. And don't forget that these bacteria are alive. They're living. So they should be stored in the refrigerator so that they don't die. If you store your probiotic in the refrigerator, uh, it will last a lot longer. All right, so that's what I want to say about probiotics. I'd like to talk about how you can actually heal the gut, regenerate the gut. All right, so... If your gut is all inflamed, you need to heal it. And one of the ingredients and something that I recommend is aloe. Now, we all know how helpful aloe is in healing uh, wounds, any kind of a wound. So think of 
an inflammatory gut condition as a wound that needs to be healed. So aloe, uh, something uh, called glutamine, which is like an amino acid, but promotes the growth of the cells that line your gut. So very important in gut regeneration and also licorice root. Although I will not recommend licorice if you have high blood pressure because it might um, uh, tweak your blood pressure. Some other things that are good for healing the gut are eating foods that help to promote the growth of the good bacteria. So what do these good bacteria eat if they're not eating processed carbs and sugar? They are eating fibrous foods, so they eat prebiotic foods. So prebiotic foods, which are carbohydrates that the bacteria digest but you do not so anything that bacteria eats that's basically called fermentation so these are non-digestible carbohydrates that are fermented by the good bacteria in the gut and provide a benefit to you all right some other things that are in this category of prebiotic foods are plantain fruits, uh, something that's found in some of the protein products that I recommend to my patients. Uh, something, here's a long word, I'm going to lose you here. Arabinogalactins, that's something you might want to look for. So arabinogalactins, so if you're like, I don't know, if you go to the vitamin shop, but don't do that, definitely come to Eagle Rock. But if you're in a store and you're looking for something that's helpful for gut health, uh, look for that. All right, now the next thing are some herbs, are herbs that are very anti-inflammatory. So the four herbs that I recommend are turmeric, can't say enough things about turmeric, um, quercetin, rosemary, and ginger. And everybody recognizes ginger, how good ginger is for digestion. So that's, that's sort of one of the obvious ones. I know everybody knows about turmeric. But quercetin, also very anti-inflammatory, and rosemary, also very very inflammatory. I even actually have rosemary oil in the office that I use for some of my patients. Um, and if you're reading ingredients in food products for gut health, uh, look for like uh, low allergy rice protein. Like if you're going to drink a protein powder, look for low allergy rice protein. Uh, most people are not allergic to rice. That's why it's low allergy. And then a, a healthy fat. I'm always talking about healthy fat, omega-3 fatty acids. So good for you. So anti-inflammatory. What are the omega-3s that are so critical to your health, DHA and EPA. And you know I've spent lots of time studying about studying the health benefits of DHA. So you cannot go wrong with that. Uh, and one thing I do want to also say, since I mentioned turmeric, all right, uh, everybody asks me, why is turmeric so good? Why is it so heart healthy? So turmeric does a lot of really interesting things, all right? For one, as an antioxidant, it neutralizes free radicals, so less DNA damage, less damage to your arteries. It protects your liver from toxins. It inhibits platelet aggregation, so prevents blood clots so if you're um, prone if you're at a high risk for stroke turmeric is heart healthy in that regard and because it inhibits platelet aggregation it's going to promote improved blood circulation going to lower cholesterol levels and just make your blood vessels healthier so so many good things about turmeric all right. I want to provide a little bit more definition around those prebiotic foods. So I told you that a prebiotic food is basically a, a carbohydrate that you personally do not digest. It is digested by the good bacteria in your gut. So where can you get prebiotic foods? All right. Basically, leafy greens and oats. So oats, things like artichokes, asparagus, 
also found in garlic and onions, uh, also found in legumes and beans. So very easy to get some, from lots of yummy things. All right. Because if you're not eating prebiotic foods, if you're not feeding the good bacteria the food that it, it likes, they're going to start to die off. And as they're dying off, they will actually start to eat you. And that's one of the things that's so culpable in these inflammatory bowel diseases. So please, please eat your leafy greens. And when you come to Eagle Rock Nutrition, one of the, th- the first thing that you're going to notice is the garden that we have in our community room. So I have a nice community room with a vertical garden. Right now, I am growing just about every single thing that's on this list of prebiotic foods. So I'm growing kale, I'm growing spinach, I'm growing arugula, I have all different kinds of lettuce. Growing Swiss chard, parsley. Parsley, by the way, is a superfood. All right. So uh, definitely use parsley in your cooking. Always put it in just about everything. And I have lots of different greens growing. I'm growing chives. Uh, um, just and and the and the garden looks great. So come and visit me at Eagle Rock Nutrition. Go onto the website eaglerock.com e-g-g-l-r-o-c-k.com and book an appointment even if you don't want to do a health history with me just come and have some tea and check out the tower garden so I haven't even gotten to step 5 yet so step 5 is retain how are we going to retain a healthy gut so in addition to eating prebiotic foods uh, really reduce stress do things mind body a little bit of yoga Uh, uh, we have had a guided meditation at Eagle Rock Nutrition a few weeks ago, which was just great. So just do a lot of things to relax, exercise, movement, any kind of movement. Come to the Y. Take my cardio aqua class. Take the standing chair class. The standing chair chair class is really nice because it's very relaxing and yet so good for mobility. And certainly avoid your triggers. Those triggers in step one, uh, the foods that are that you're sensitive to, avoid those triggers. And then just avoid your stress triggers. I know that my patients that when they're stressed out, their the, their symptoms are way more pronounced so avoid those triggers and people that trigger you right so what is a diet for a healthy gut so a diet for a healthy gut if you are suffering from any one of these conditions inflammatory bowel disease irritable bowel syndrome leaky gut GERD, if you want if you're suffering from any of those things acid reflux uh, food intolerances Try to focus on foods that are easy to digest. So number one, fruits and vegetables that are cooked as opposed to raw. And eventually you'll be able to eat raw vegetables. Number two, um, healthy fats. Healthy fats from omega-3 fatty acids that are found in fish. Healthy saturated fat like found in coconut oil. Didn't really say anything about coconut oil tonight, but it's so good. You can cook with coconut oil. It cooks up so nicely. I have some coconut oil-based products at the office. A bone broth. I just made an awesome bone broth the other day. Any kinds of bones, chicken bones, beef bones, fish bones, any bones, uh, cook them up. The things that are found in bones that are so good for you are proline and, and glycine, which are two amino acids, so good for your gut health. Uh, if you come to the office, I'll tell you how to make a really awesome bone broth yourself. Um, wild-caught fish, in addition to having healthy fats, got so many other good things for you, high in vitamin D. Three, uh, if you are, uh, you know, a, a, a meat eater, grass-fed beef. So, you know, just remember that whatever those animals eat, are eating, you're eating that too. So if the animals are getting hormones and antibiotics, you're eating those hormones and antibiotics. Another thing that I recommend is chicory root. And I mention this because Whole Foods has this chicory root coffee that a lot of my patients really love. Something else, get more bacteria into your body by eating fermented foods. So yogurt, kefir, uh, any coconut products, fermented, like Whole Foods has a whole aisle of fermented vegetables. 
like kimchi tastes so good. Also, what's very good for your gut health, avocados, healthy fat. And the last thing I'll mention are sprouted seeds. So sprouted seeds from like chia seed, flax seed, hemp seed, all really good. Just if you're making green juices, if you make a green juice, so easy to make a green juice. Just a handful of greens, some lemon, a piece of fruit like an apple or a pear, flax seed. I always throw in maybe like a teaspoon of flax seed or flax seed oil, um, you know, water, uh, maybe some celery just throw it all in a blender with some water but get some flaxseed in there now you got something really good going oh by the way broccoli sprouts very anti-inflammatory all right so just remember to use the right combination of nutrients take care of your body relax move and we'll get to the heart of your problem and if you are suffering from an inflammatory bowel disease come see me at eagle rock nutrition so join me next week when we'll sort of continue the same topic next week we will talk about inflammation and immunity right here at eat right with laura paleo gluten-free ketogenic eating for your blood type and the list goes on and on there are millions of fad diets out there but what really works did you ever consider consulting an actual doctor that's why you need dr l dr laura roccos at eagle rock nutrition is a food scientist with over 30 years of experience helping people improve their health eagle rock nutrition is a healthcare practice providing dietary and lifestyle guidance for disease prevention and health maintenance she will help you use diet and exercise to improve your overall health and fight disease Conditions that may be addressed include diabetes, heart disease, obesity, autoimmune diseases, poor gut health, and fertility. Dr. L also has a very popular sports nutrition program. Get started today. Book an appointment at EagleRock.com. That's E-G-G-L-R-O-C-K.com. Or call 908-764-9062. 908-764-9062. Let Dr. L develop a personalized health plan that's right for you. Eat right with Laura. Most services are covered by Medicare, Medicaid, and private health insurance. The Entrepreneurial Think Tank for Women, or ETT Women, is a support network to help female entrepreneurs grow their business. Founders Vanessa Coppis and Lynette Barbieri share their vision of mentoring women to achieve their personal and business goals. Members attend live or virtual meetings as well as their annual conference, The Power of Connections, scheduled for November 3rd to the 5th at the Holiday Inn in Clark, New Jersey. This year, in partnership with Theodora Sergio, president of Nicholas Pools and a recognized industry leader, we've created an incredible agenda and line of speakers, including Fox 5 News meteorologist Audrey Puente, ABC Sports anchor Laura Benke, editor-in-chief of Bella Media Group, Courtney Hall, and Elizabeth McLaughlin from the Gaia Project for Women's Leadership. Our conference objective is to elevate participants' lives and businesses by empowering them with effective personal and professional development resources. You may register for the Power of Connections conference at our website, ettwomen.com. That's ettwomen.com. Classic Oldies WMTR is back online and sounding fine. Now you can enjoy your favorites of the 50s, 60s, and 70s streaming live at WMTRAM.com. Just click the Listen Live button to hear New Jersey's Oldies Authority anytime you want. Put us in your favorites. And whenever you need the music that makes you feel good, listen online at WMTRAM.com. The views and nutritional advice expressed by Dr. Rocco's are not intended to be a substitute for conventional medical service. The preceding sound advice program was paid for by Eagle Rock Nutrition. The views and opinions expressed are not necessarily those of the staff, management, and advertisers of WMTR. It is always advisable to consult a professional before making a major medical decision.